The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Rapek. He is a certified financial planner, an Army veteran, and the author of a new book called Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. Welcome to this Money Answer Show, Steve. Hey, Jordan, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You have an unusual uh, training uh, to be a financial planner and somebody helping them with their money. Just tell us briefly about uh, your Army experience and how that has translated into wanting to help people with their finances. You know, uh, I spent 12 years out to do the Army. You know, I I left the Army with $32,000 worth of credit card debt. And, um, you know, it was just a total mess. And I was thinking, you know, I got into, I got into, uh, personal finance and here I am with a whole bunch of credit card debt and, you know, giving other people, uh, help. And I said, hey, you know, I need to sit there and start taking charge with my own money. So just tell us a little bit about your Army experience and then how that translated into, uh, being into credit card debt. I mean, normally you'd think you're in the Army, they take care of your clothes, your food, your housing, you're getting paid if you're in combat extra, Hazardous duty pay. It seems like you've got everything taken care of. How could you get into debt in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, and I always, you know I talk about it in the book. It's, it's, it's uh, more money doesn't equal more money, and uh, you know it seems like the more money you make, the more money you spend, and, and that's what happened to me. Is that you know here I am as an E two in the in the army. You know I might I might have made maybe a thousand dollars a month, but I was spending twelve hundred dollars a month. And, and as soon as I you know get promoted, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that gosh, my financial picture is going to change. You know I'm, I'm going to make some more money. And you know every time that I got promoted, I just seemed to continue to spend more. So it wasn't how much money I was making; it was how much money I was spending that got me into trouble. Is this common within the military that even though people are getting paid pretty decently and Having all their expenses taken care of, they get into financial trouble anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the book talks about there's, you know, most people, you know, we talk about average credit card debt for families like over fifteen thousand dollars, and you know, in the military, which is this is not just a phenomenon in the military, you can translate it over into the civilian world, is that you know people spend money because it makes them feel good, and you know, in the military, you're under a tremendous amount of stress, and you know, one of the coping mechanisms is spending money. So you know, you you feel bad or feel stressed out, so you go to the store and buy things, and things make you feel good for a little bit. And then, you know, you're back at the store buying some more stuff. So it's, it's common. So part of what your mission has been is to help the military people do better with the finances and then also affecting the civilians. Is that right? Oh, definitely. Because it's, it's basically, you know, it's you know, how I got it into the book is, you know, I, I was doing some consulting work for the Department of Defense a few years ago. And it was for a guard unit that was fixing to deploy to Iraq. And this gentleman, he was he was 65 years old, came up to me and says, "Steve, you know, I wish you know someone was like you around when I was younger, uh, so I could maybe made some better financial decisions." And you know, I I, I, you know, I thanked him for his compliment. And so I asked him, I says, "Well, do you have a maybe a child, a grandchild that's fixing to deploy?" 
And, you know, because sometimes, you know, most of the times family members attend these events. And, you know, he put his head down. He says, no, Steve. He says, this is my third deployment. I volunteered in the last five years. The first two deployments I used to get out of credit card debt. And this last deployment I'm going to use to start saving for retirement. And I'm thinking to myself that, hey, if he said, hey, Steve, I'm volunteering to put my life on the line because I want to serve my country. I mean, I understand that. But to do that because your finances are a mess, it kind of it kind of broke my heart. And I was thinking, what can I do to sit there and help as many people as I can you know, start thinking differently about their money. So you call your book uh, Dollars and Uncommon Sense, uh, Basic Training for Your Money. Why do people need basic training for their money? I mean, aren't people learning about this in schools? And Why do people need basic training? You know, I hear, I hear that, you know, is that, this is what I hear a lot, I hear often is that why don't they teach that to our kids in school? Because I just, I feel that they're not, you know, they're not learning about it in school, they're not learning enough about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, <laughs> what's kind of weird is lately, I guess it's, it's kind of June, which is, you know, people aren't really thinking about personal finances, they're thinking more about vacations. But I've had a lot of, you know, parents and grandparents saying, hey, Steve, I bought this book for my kid or my grandkid because you know, I want to teach them about about money. So it's, I just don't think that there's enough education that's out there or, like I said, that, you know, it's, you know, you know personal finance. And personal finance generally is kind of a pretty boring subject. So, you know, you have to make stuff, you know, exciting, interesting, making it relevant. And, you know, you have to sit there and motivate people to sit there and, and try to, you know, make some better changes for themselves. Why do you call this uncommon sense? I mean, normally we think of personal finance as common sense, but why do you call it uncommon sense? Gosh, I mean, I, if I look if I look around the world, I mean, most people are are terrible terrible with their money. So I'm like thinking, well, everybody must be using common sense, and that's why I tell people that they need to start using uncommon sense. You know, in in, in the book, I have a bunch of examples about what uncommon sense means. Like one of my one of my rules, I call it the ten ten eighty rule, and I say that hey, if you want more money, you need to give away the first ten percent. And you're like thinking, gosh, that does not make common sense. How am I going to have more money if I'm giving 10% away? So I have stuff like that in my book that it doesn't make common sense, but it's just stuff that my wealth builders have done, and you know they're, they're able to accumulate a bunch of money. Just tell me a little bit about your current practice uh, as, as a CFP and uh, what kind of clients you have and what kind of services you offer, and maybe a website you have that people can contact you if they want to follow up. Well, the, what the, what I'd like to uh, send people to my website, the dollar, dollarsanduncommonsense.com uh, website. Uh, and that's, they can get you know, information on the book and where to purchase the book and things like that. And then how about your financial planning practice? That I, you know, that's the stuff that, you know, it's like with compliance and stuff that, you know, I'm this, I, I just don't talk about. It's just kind of, se- it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, separate business, so I really don't, you know, I don't you do any type of solicitation for that. You? Steve? Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you have a website where people can contact you? Oh, yes. It's a, a, if they go to the book website, dollarsanduncommonsense.com or www.steverepack.com. Very good. Okay. So you start the book uh, saying the first thing you need to do is to change the way you think about your personal finances. How are people thinking today uh, that's incorrect that they need to change? You know, most people are spending everything they make. They save what's left over, and they give only, you know, when possible. And, you know, most people are in a financial, financial mess. So if you can sit there and start thinking differently, number one, I need to give away the first 10%, save the next 10%, and live off the rest. I mean, that's the first step on, you know, changing the way you think about money. Okay. Now, you're saying a lot of people worry about their money. How is it that what you are proposing will make people worry less or not worry at all? 
Well, I think more or less is that, you know, most people that are worrying about their money, they feel hopeless. And, and that's how I felt. I mean, I, I, here I was with $32,000 worth of credit card debt. And it was something that I said to myself that, you know what, I'm able to make the minimum payments. And, you know, this doesn't feel good, but it's something that I'll cope. You know, I'll probably never get out of debt, but, you know, I, I can cope with it. You know, I would sit there and worry about it, make me feel bad. But, you know, I kind of had a hopelessness, like, hey, I, you know, I, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to change my financial picture. And, uh, you know, I started making some, you know, just basic steps and basic changes and started thinking differently about my money. And I was able to sit there and get out of credit card debt and build my savings and get myself back on track financially. Now, you talk in this chapter about uh, the six key traits of wealth builders. Uh, let's yeah. go through those one at a time and tell us the first one, and then we'll discuss each one as we go through them. What, what is the first key trait of a wealth builder? I mean, the first one is that you have to spend less money than what you make. I mean, it, 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 like I said, it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people think that if I make a whole bunch of money, you know, that's what's going to fix my, my issues or, 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 or going to get me in a better financial situation. But, but the truth is that you can make $20,000 a year, but if you're only spending $18,000, you are doing better than someone that's making 200000 but spends 210000 so the, the, the key is it's not how much money you make. Your next windfall is not going to fix your problems, that you have a problem with spending, and the only way to have more money is you have to spend less. So if people who have certain fixed expenses, whether it be a, a mortgage or a rent or car payment or certain level for food, and they got pretty much fixed expenses and a pretty fixed income or pretty predictable income, and they're just spending more than they're taking in, how can they – get that situation better where they do spend less than they make. Yeah, the, you know, the, the truth is that I always hear that is that you, I'll hear people come up to me and say, Steve, you know, I, I've just cut all my expenses. I'm just living, you know, bare to bones. I'm, you know, I'm barely scraping by and I've cut everything out. And, the, you know, the, everybody has some type of wasteful spending. Like, for example, you know, and I don't believe in, 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 in going to extremes, but if you say, Steve, you know, I'm not going to tell you to get out of to quit paying your cable, but you don't need 5,000 channels. Or, hey, Steve, I'm going out to eat for lunch Monday through Friday. I'm not saying that you can't go out to eat, but maybe cut it down to twice a, twice a week. But the best thing, if you want to figure out where you're spending your money, you pull out a sheet of paper. <laughs> you, every time you spend money, you ask for a receipt, and you start writing down every time you spend money. And if you'll do that, all of a sudden you'll start seeing you're like, golly, I can't believe I'm spending X amount on this every day or X amount on that. And, you know, most people, they just have no idea what they're spending their money on until they start writing it down. And then as soon as they start writing it down, they say, gosh, that's somewhere that I can start cutting out or reduce. Or, hey, you know, i got my thermostat up turned to 74. Maybe I can save a few dollars by turning my thermostat down. But it's these little dollar here, a dollar there. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you might have $100, $200 at the, at the end of the month by just, you know, tracking these expenses. Expenses and reducing and, and making sacrifices. What is your second uh, key trait of wealth builders? Uh, the second one is you got to save. I mean, the, you know, your credit card company doesn't love you. The electric company doesn't love you. The apartment store doesn't love you. The car sitting in your driveway doesn't love you. I mean, the only person that loves you more than anybody is yourself. And you should be paying yourself at least 10% of what you make. So before you pay anybody else, you need to have an account set up just for you which you're, you're, where you're putting money into it. So uh, today you earn almost nothing on savings. Literally, you do earn zero percent, basically. Where, where should people put their money where they're going to at least earn something on their savings these days? Well, this is that, that kind of almost leads me to my third one. It, it talks about you know uh, 
my third trait for, 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 for people is that they have little or no debt. If you have a credit card company that's charging you 16% interest, even if you're making a half a percent in the savings account, that's still better than paying someone else 16%. So you're saying the savings that you should put aside should be in uh, liquid savings? The savings should be your safe money. Man. That's your short-term money. And, you know, that, that stuff needs to be FDIC insured. I mean, that's your safe, safe money. Okay. And so as you say, your third uh, key trait of wealth building is to have little or no debt. Little or no debt, and like I said, there's, you know, I, I, you know, I live in the real world, so I know that people do have debt. I'm not an extremist where I'm saying that you can never have debt. Like for example, you know, I, I think that um, there's 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 no such thing as good debt, but there's you know there's three things that I think that aren't bad debt, like uh, a house or an education or start a small business. But my wealth builders, you know, like I said, they have these six common traits, and they, you know, if I sit there and ask each and every one of them, you know, how much debt you have, I mean, they're going to tell me little or no debt. So that's your key. I mean, that's your ultimate goal is to get there. You're not going to get there overnight, but your ultimate goal is to be out of debt or have very little of it. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break and get back to uh, more of uh, Steve Rapak's Dollars and Uncommon Sense. His book is called that, and it's also called Basic Training for Your Money. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Raypack. He's a certified financial planner. He's also done a book called Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks. How's it going? We were going through the uh, key traits of wealth builders. The first three were to spend mo- less money than you make, have little or no debt, and save. What is the fourth uh, key trait? The next key trait is that you have to have long-term plans for your money. 
you know, when, when I was younger, you know, the last thing that I thought that, you know, I mean, I should say, I thought that I was going to live forever and I'd worry about retirement at a later time. And, uh, you know, most people, they're just not putting enough money away from retirement. And, um, you know, so the people that are successful, they have long-term plans for the money. So what are some specific long-term plans? You're talking about saving for retirement, and what are some of the things they need to plan for long-term? I mean, long-term, there's a whole bunch of, you know, it's, you know, we think about long-term plans. It could be, you know, for, for nursing home or medical expenses or, you know, there, there's just a whole bunch of things that, that, that you can plan for. But like I said, that you just have to plan for it. And the, the people that are successful, I mean, they, they, you know, they're making those plans. You know, they're, they're not coming in at 80 years old saying, hey, Steve, this is, I need to start thinking about this stuff. I mean, they thought about this stuff long, long time ago. So by planning, do you mean, uh, writing things down or saving for it. What you plan for, what specifically you're supposed to do to make those plans into reality? You know, it's like with any type of plan. Like in the military, I talk about in the book about how, what, what plans are. Is that, you know, you, just, you have to assess the situation. You know, you have to determine your goals, and then you have to take the steps necessary to get you from where you're at now to where you want to be later. And, you know, the plans, they need to be in writing. And, you know, the people that have plans that are written down, you know, it's, it's, you know studies have shown that those, those plans are usually more successful than the people that shoot for the hips. So, you know, whatever your goals are, you know, if you say, hey, Steve, you know, I want to sit there and get out of credit card debt, I mean, write it, write it down. I mean, any type of goals, I mean, I, you know, any type of plans, write those things down. Like I said, you're, you're more likely to follow them than to sit there and say, well, gosh, this is what I want to do. Well, don't, don't tell me. Write it down and follow it. And then what is your fifth uh, key trait of wealth builders? Fifth key trait is do not allow your emotions to influence your financial decisions. Um, and that that just covers a whole gamut of things. Like, for example, with our spending, I mean, we like to spend money, you know, and our brain releases these endorphins to make us feel good, you know, and then we want to sit there and spend more money. Also, you know, think of the, the, the market as volatile and as emotional as what it is, is that you just can't, you just can't allow your emotions to, to influence your financial decisions. Like I said, you, you know, we're not robots, so our emotions are going to sit there and they're going to affect them. We just can't allow them to influence our financial decisions. So how would that affect, for example, investing in the stock market? It's way up and we're feeling really good and we want to invest more. It's way down and we're depressed. We want to get out of it. How do you override that normal emotional uh, impact one way or the other? It's it's almost it's, it goes back to almost the, the like the fourth one about having long term plans is that you know you sit there and you have plans and you follow them even though that sometimes they don't feel as good for example you know you're you're flying on an airplane from maybe Charlotte to New York and you experience a bunch of turbulence you just don't want to sit there and jump out the airplane I mean you got to sit there and and say hey you know it's going to be all right it's going to be all right and hopefully you land at your destination it's the same thing with the market is that you can't allow your emotions to determine when you want to buy something or when you want to sell something, you have to follow a plan. And when you can't, you know, when your emotions are, are, are really bothering you, that's the time to pick up the phone and talk to the person that's helping you and, 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 and talk them through it and, and get them, you know, get them to get you, you know, back on track and, and thinking more logically instead of emotionally. And then what is your sixth uh, key trait of wealth builders? You know, my sixth, my sixth one is it start, it, I say start saving early 
and you know, and and that's the key trait. For, you know, I talk about the six where you know these are the six things that my wealth builders have done to to be as well off as what they are. And like I said, a lot of people, you know, they might be entering the the, the workforce at a later date, so they they can't save early. But like I said, I believe that there's never too late. I mean, it's never too late to save. It's never too late to get your finances straight. But the the, the earlier that you can start saving, number one, it's just you most likely you could you're gonna sit there and save less money and you have a lot more time to let your money compound for you. Now you talk about the principles uh, that allow you to build your financial foundations. Your first principle is to set priorities. What is the best way, since there's always many things people want to do with their money, how is it uh, you should prioritize what's first and what's second and so on? You know, and the, and the truth is, if you're talking about your your financial priorities, I mean, your number one priority should be retirement. I mean, you know, some people think it's their, you know, putting their kids through school or buying a house, but you know, at the end of the day, the only person that's going to take care of you at retirement is is you. And like I said, that's not an emotional recommendation, but that's just that's just a fundamental that hey, you know, if I'm I need to make sure that I'm I'm putting away money for myself so one day that I can retire. And a lot of times, like I said, we might think it's it might it might be getting our kids through school or it might be going on vacation next week, but you know, your number one priority, at least your financial priority, should be your retirement. You talk about your first priority being to make finances your top priority. You're finding a lot of people do not make finances much of a priority in their lives. Is that what you're saying? They don't. I mean, most people plan uh, more time for vacation than they do for retirement. Uh, you know, if it's watching television, I mean, just anybody is. is and I hate this. You know, you, you separate the people that have money and don't have money. You know, it has nothing to do with how much they make, but it's you know how they think about money, and you know. The, the people that I found that to be extremely successful, you know, the school teachers, retired military, working at Walmart, these people didn't make a lot of money during their during their working careers, but they were able to accumulate a lot. And, and you know, they thought about money. They thought about saving for a rainy day. They, you know, they, they had those long-term plans. And for some reason, it, you know, it's like the now generation where, hey, you know, I want to have the nicest car, the nicest clothes, and I really don't care about retirement because I'll be dead by then. And, you know, I, I kind of joke around in my book that when I was 21 years old, I had a friend that was 26, and I thought to myself, God, he's old. You know, here I am, 45 years old, and I have a total, you know, I think about age a lot differently th- than when I was younger. But that's just the way people think. I mean, they just don't think about the, the later. All they care about is the now, now, now. In your third chapter, you talk about the principle of spending less, uh, allowing you to have more. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, but how do you overcome what you talked the, about the uh, propensity to be wired to spend? How do people overcome uh, that that impulse? You know, and this is I talk about like changing priorities, and you know, the principle of spending less. You know, I believe that if you give away the first ten percent, I mean that's that's what's going to teach you to to. to prioritize your money and I don't have an agenda it's not like I'm saying hey you need to give 10% to the church I don't I don't care who you give your 10% to it could be the wounded warriors project it could be a local soup kitchen it could be the foundation for homeless parents I I care less who you give your money to but if you can learn to give 10% that kind of rewires the way you think about money because think of this as that we've always been taught it's better to give than to receive but truthfully that feeling you get when you give money it actually lasts a lot longer than you do when you spend it that's why when people spend money you know they're out again the next week spending some more money to try to make them feel good again and that if we can learn to give learn to prioritize our money learn what money's all about that's how we start having a different mind shift 
Like I said, it doesn't make common sense that, hey, Steve, how can I have more money if I'm giving it away? I'm not telling you it makes common sense. It makes uncommon sense. And the people that are successful, I can tell you this, that they all have, they, everybody, they all give. You say that people have to admit they have a problem with spending, and some people don't want to do that. How do you go about admitting you have a problem you don't want to really face? You know, it's, it's, it's all about accountability. I mean, you know, it's whenever you spend your money, you got to sit there and write down your expenses. You got to admit that you're spending. It's like it's like anything. It's like any bad habit you want to break. Is that hey, Steve, I want to get it. I want to get into shape. Well, guess what? You got to start eating less calories than you're taking in, and you do that by eating right and exercising. And if you say, Steve, hey, I want to have more money, it works the same way. You need to sit there and spend less money and start saving more. And you know if and. People they say they want to change, but until they until they actually accept that they have to change and start doing things differently, they're going to continue to be like a dog that walks around, I mean, chases his tail and goes around and around in circles and never gets anywhere. So you just have to admit it. You got to take accountability. You got to take charge and say, "Hey, I want things to be different, and now I'm going to start doing different things so things can be different." In your book, you offer uh, what you call a spending summary. Uh, broken down into eight different categories. What, what are the categories that people should be uh, breaking their spending down into, and how, how do they use this to stay on top of their spending in a better way? You know, I, and, and the truth is, is with the with, with the spending plan, I call it. It's, it's kind of a guide because it's not like a set in, st- set in stone. Because certain people, they're going to have different priorities. For example, they might say, "Steve, I want to have a nicer house," but I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that. But you might have to sit there and have a, a, a smaller car or not. Go out for you know go out and eat all the time, but I've basically broken down my uh, my categories into I call it the giving, the saving, then I go into stuff like um, food, transportation, clothing, housing, debt, and personal. Now I don't like I don't like, I, I hate to sit there and allocate a percentage towards debt. Because I believe that you shouldn't have any, but like I said, I live in the real world. The people that I talk to are for real, and so they have debt. But you know, you want to keep these within a percentages that you know they kind of keeps you on track. And like I said, for example, if you want to sit there and, and maybe have nicer clothes, like I said, you just might not be able to go out to eat. But that's how I broke down the categories. And, and like I said, in the book, I call it the ten ten eighty rule. I mean, you you give away the first ten percent, you save the, the next ten percent, and then you live off the rest. That eighty percent is what's broken down into those other categories. When people actually do this, when they keep track of their spending and using your spending summary, what what are they usually surprised about? What do they find that they're spending on that they don't really realize they're spending on? I mean, gosh, there's a, a lot of it. I think if I broke it down into categories, I mean, a lot of it's going to be it's, it's like the uh, like the cell phones. They can't believe they're spending so much on their on their cell phone, which they could cut out. A lot of it is with the the eating, uh, but most uh, you know. Uh, the knickknacks, you know, going into the store and buying something at, you know, the, the, the convenience store or going to the vending machine. I mean, it's like the nickel and dime stuff that they, that, and that's what, they, that's what really catches people is the, the little stuff that they just, you know, they do every single day and they just don't think anything about it until they start tracking it. And then once you've tracked it, once you've noticed that you're spending money on vending machines or cell phones, uh, is it just the awareness of it alone allows you to change it, or what allows you to change it so you don't spend uh, on those areas? 
it's the awareness. It's almost like have, you know, if you, if you ever went to a restaurant and there's someone has some food stuck between their teeth, and they have no earthly idea they have food between stuck between the teeth, and then once you pointed it out, they you know they, they sit there and they, they they correct it. And it's the same thing with their spending. Is that most people are just so unaware of all their wasteful spending that once they're once they they're made aware of it, they're embarrassed and they start making those changes. Very good. Okay, we're gonna go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Raypack. He's a certified financial planner and author of the new book, Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Raypack. He is a military veteran and uh, the author of a new book called Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Hey, thanks. You have a whole uh, section on priorities where you say uh, you should give, uh, pay yourself first, and then pay everybody else. If people have a relatively limited amount of money, how can they possibly be the first thing they spend is to give to somebody else? 
Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense, but it, like I said, when you sit there and you give, I mean, it always comes back. I mean, I, I, it's like one of those things you just really can't explain. Uh, but like I said, there's just a lot of wasteful spending, and, and you know, once we start giving, it forces you to live off of less. It just forces you to do it. It's like you have no choice because you have 10% less money, and it doesn't make common sense to do that, to have more money, but once you learn to, to, to give, it kind of puts a new light on what money actually is and what it what, what it actually supposed to do for you, and it gets people back. It gets people back on the right track. You have some examples in the book of how it has come back to people. Just give us an example or two of people who have given back and, and how it's come back to them. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's the wealth builders that I've worked with for for many years. You know, they 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 have a heating and air conditioning uh, place in, in in Monroe, North Carolina, and I mean they you know they make they've made millions and millions and millions. So whenever you look at them, you're like thinking, oh my gosh, you know they they've made all this money, but. When they first started out, it, they started out in their their garage in 1985, you know, working on on air conditions. Now they they always gave 10 percent, even if that meant that they might have to not go out to eat one night or they'd have to sacrifice something else. But they just always gave, even when they didn't have anything. And like I said, they weren't they, they're not multimillionaires, you know. Right when they first started, but it just it just gave them the right light, and you know, eventually over the years, they were just able to sit there and uh, you know be very successful at what they are. And it's like I can sit there and give those stories all day long, where just people just they were they they just gave first, and then somehow they always were able to get you know their bills paid. They were they were always able to sit there and put a little bit into savings, and they always had their priorities right. And it's just it's just like I said, it's not like onesies or twosies. Is that the people that I've talked to? That's what they've done, and it's always came back to them. Doesn't make sense. And I'm like saying, okay, you know what? It doesn't make sense. Why don't you try it for three months? You try it for three months, and if it doesn't work, then you can tell me that okay, Steve, it doesn't work. But don't tell me that it doesn't work with Without you even trying. How has it worked in your own life? How have, who have you given to, and how has it come back in your own life? Oh gosh, just the opportunities that I've had. I mean, I, I've just been able. I've been, I've been blessed by you know just by following those principles. And like I said, it, it always. You know, number one, I was able to get out of credit card debt myself. You know, I kind of figured out that hey, you know, I'm not going to make a whole bunch of money, and it's going to fix all my problems. Once I figured out that hey, I need to get my money priorities straight by you know giving and saving and 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 following budgets and things like that, things started changing for me slowly. Like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like a, a get rich scheme overnight or just some secret. It's like these are just principles that you follow, and it's something that's like a lifestyle. It's something that you do for the rest of your life. This is not the it's not the Atkins diet that once you start eating carbs, you'll start gaining weight again. It's something that you have to if you start doing and you follow. Follow it. You know, you're just the probabilities of you being more successful are, are on your side. Now, if you continue doing this, the crazy stuff by continuing to charge and not saving and not following any type of plans, I mean, you just can't expect when you're 70 years old that you're, you know, that you're not going to be working. I and mean, most likely, you're still going to be working at a local, you know, you know, local department store as a greeter, probably eating cat food at night. But if you say, hey, you know, I want my stuff to be different, then you need to start doing different things. And, and that's, you know, the, the, the book motivates you to do that. One of the things you say people should have is a plan for their paycheck. Roughly, what are some of the percentages that people should have as a percentage of their income in the different categories you talked about before, just roughly? Yeah, I mean, like, for example, and I say housing. I mean, that should be between 30 to 40%. Now, and that, that's, not, that's not just your house payment, but that's your insurance, and that's all the, the maintenance costs. 
um, your 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 food. I mean, your food might be ten to fifteen percent, or your clothing might be ten to twenty percent. But those are just kind of guides that once you start getting outside the percentages. Then you sit there and say, okay, hey, I'm, I'm spending a little bit too much here, so I either need to cut something out here or I have to figure out where to do it somewhere else. But like I said, most people, they, have, they just have their own different types of priorities, so they're going to they're, they're determine you know, where their allocations are. But at the end of the day, as long as you're giving 10% and saving 10%, that means that you're only living off of 80% of what you make, and that, that formula works a lot better than spending 105% of what you make. You have what you call the Life Happens account. What do you mean by that, and how should you uh, budget for that? Oh gosh, the, you know the Life Happens account is it's one of those things that it's not a it's not a, uh, a if question, it's a when question. It could be your transmission going out, it could be your hot water heater going on the blink. Is that whatever life throws at you, or whatever life happens, that I have a certain amount of money in in my savings that's separated for everything else that I can sit there and take care of you know my financial emergencies. You know, and I start off with a very basic. I say that hey, your first goal is to have $1,500 in your Life Happens account. I mean, that's what your, um, you know, your immediate goal is. I mean, that should be your first priority. And then I work it up to a formula. You know, it could be you might want to sit there and have at least 6 to 12 months of your bills into your, your Life Happens account. You also say uh, that one of your other principles is that debt puts your financial health at risk. How does it do so? I mean, debt is a disease. It's something that it kind of sneaks up on you. Like, for example, when I, when I was in the military, I had a $500 star card. I mean, that's the, the max I could charge. So I just started off with, oh, goodness, the bank loves me so much that they're going to give me $500 that I can spend any way I want. And then all of a sudden, I'd make a little bit more money, and the, you know, the bank would sit there and offer me another credit card. And it, it just seemed like it just – Every time that I'd get promoted or any time I made more money, the bank was always right there or the credit card company was always right there to say, hey, we're going to reward you for doing so well, for making more money. We're going to give you some more access to credit. And like I said, that's why I say debt is a disease. There's only one cure for disease, and that's building your savings. And if you don't have savings, you're always going to have debt. It's like one of those uncommon sense advice is that, hey, I just got a, I got a tax refund check. What am I going to do with my money? I have nothing in savings, but I have maybe $1,500 in credit card debt. You know, it would make common sense to pay down your credit card. And I would say, no, you need to sit there and build your savings. And you'll say, Steve, that doesn't make common sense because savings ain't paying anything and your credit card company's charging you 15%. And I'd say, okay, well, you sit there and pay down your credit card. You have nothing in savings. You drive down the road, clunk, clunk, clunk. Your transmission goes out. How are you going to pay for it? Guess what? You're going to have to use your credit card because you don't have anything in savings. So you've got to have your life happens account. You've got to have money in savings. When you were offered these uh, increases in your debt limit and getting into more debt, are you saying that you should refuse them? You shouldn't accept uh, additional credit lines when it's being offered to you? I mean that makes fun that would make financial sense. I mean when I was younger I didn't think I didn't have long term plans for my money, you know. I, I allowed my emotions to <laughs> to tell me, you know, that hey, I, I really want this big screen television or I want to have this nice car, or I want to have this. So I I was I didn't have the discipline when I was in the military to sit there and say no. You talk about the true cost of debt being higher than just the financial part of it. What is the true cost of debt? 
I mean, the true cost of death is, I mean, it, it, I taught the physical cost. I mean, it, it will make you physically sick. If, if you're up at night worrying about your credit card debt, I mean, not only are you sitting there paying interest to somebody that doesn't love you, but just the, 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 the health cost. And if you're married, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's, you know, what are the three things that most couples fight about? Money, sex, and kids. So, you know, if you're fighting over with your spouse, most likely it's because of money. It's because of debt. I mean, divorce. I mean, there's just so much bad stuff that debt leads to. Too. It's not just you know the true cost of it is hey I got to pay some interest to somebody else is that it affects you physically it affects you emotionally it affects your marriage it affects your everyday life I mean you can't sit there and perform your job every day if you're sitting there worrying about hey how am I going to sit there and get this debt taken care of are, are there such things as good debt and bad debt or do you think all debt is bad? You know, like I said, there's no such thing as good debt, but I, as I said in the beginning of the show, I mean I think there's three cases where I call it not bad debt. If you said, hey, Steve, you know, I want to sit there and have a house and I'm going to have a mortgage. I mean, I don't live in the la-la land where I think that you're going to save enough cash to sit there and, and, and buy your house outright. Now, if you can do that, I think that's, that, that, that's smart. But, I mean, I think that, you know, house debt. Not, I consider that not bad debt. If you said, hey, Steve, should I go to college? Well, I can't afford college, so I'm going to have to take a loan. Well, I'm not going to tell you not to go to college. I mean, I would rather you get an education than, than not have one. And let's say that you will say, Steve, I want to start a business. I mean, there is nobody better to work for than yourself. So I think that those are three cases. Where I, don't, I don't call them good debt. I just say that they're not bad debt. You have a section on how to get out of debt, what you call the get out of debt plan, based on the interest rate that credit cards are charging and the minimum payment, how do you prioritize which debt you pay off first and which one you wait till later? You know, in the book, I mean, and I, I say this in the book, because if you talk to, you, you can talk to 10 different uh, people about this, and they're going to tell you 10 different answers, but I, the, the way that's, that will save you the most interest and get you out of debt the fastest is that you pay more towards the card with the higher interest rate and make minimum payments on the other. And then once that uh, card is paid off, then you'll sit there and concentrate on the higher. Now, I've heard, you know, there's experts that are out there that they'll say, oh, you pay, pay, pay more towards the smallest one because it gives you a sense of accomplishment and you get motivated. And the thing is that I don't want you to feel good. I want you to feel bad because you're in debt because when you feel bad, I'll tell you what, that's a good reminder that when you do get out of debt, you just never want to get out of it. You just never want to get into it again. So if you say, hey, I want to get out the fastest, I want to get out the best financially, you want to sit there and pay more towards the, the, the one with the higher interest rate. What do you think about using uh, credit counseling services that are nonprofit that help you consolidate your debt at lower interest rates? You know, the, the, the truth is, is that I, it's kind of like a Band-Aid. It's, it's that the, the problem isn't because of your interest rate or consoli- you know, the consolidation. I mean, you, you're in debt because you're spending more money than what you're making. If you want to get out of debt, start spending less money. You know, quit charging, put money in savings. And and, and 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 put a plan together. Now I'm not saying that you don't use them, but they, people kind of make it like that's their that's their fix all. That hey, oh, I'm just going to declare bankruptcy, or I'm going to do credit consolidation, and that's going to fix all my problems. It's going to it's going to treat the symptom, but the the core problem is you spend more money than what you make. You can sit there and do credit consolidation. You can you know do bankruptcy. You can do all these programs, and you're going to in three or four years you're going to end up in the same situation. And and it was for me. I I can say that because I did it. I was one of those that, oh, I'm smart. I'm just going to transfer my balance to a credit card with 0% interest and not pay any interest. 
Well, the thing was is that now, you know, instead of having two credit cards, I had four credit cards, and, and, and they, would be, they would eventually be all maxed out. So the first thing I had to learn was to quit spending more money than what I made. And once I did that and started putting money into savings, I was able to get out of debt. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Raypack. Uh, he is the author of a new book called Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. He's also a certified financial planner. We'll be back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Raypack. He is the author of a new book called Dollars and Uncommon Sense, Basic Training for Your Money. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. You say it doesn't take a million to make a million. Normally, people think you need a lot of money to get started. How is it that you can make a million without having a million to start with? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's like, and that's like the misconceptions that the people that think that, gosh, the only way I can have a bunch of money is if I make a whole bunch. But the truth is that, you know, if you sit there, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, I, I asked a 21 year old, you know, can you sit there and put a $1,800 away into their into your retirement account? And they'd look at me like, Steve, there's just no way I could do that. And you know, maybe I'll ask him, can you sit there and save $150 a month? And they'll look at me again, no way I could save $150 a month. And so the third question I'll ask them is, like, can you save $5 a day? You know, are you wasting $5 a day? Most likely that 21-year-old is, is wasting $5 a day. Well, if it, instead of wasting that $5 a day, he puts in his retirement account, which that comes out to be $150 a month. 
comes out to be $1,800 a year. Now, I'm just going to sit there and give you a hypothetical. I'm just using mathematical compounding. But if, if, it, if it compounded at a rate of 10%, that one that 21-year-old turned 65 years old, he'd have over $1.2 million in his retirement. So it doesn't take a million to, 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 to make a million. You also have a chapter, what you call, Life Happens, Then I Quit. So uh, when, when something happens to your life that you're not expecting, how can you resist the uh, tendency to want to quit and give up? Well, that's the thing is that, you know, I talk about the priorities about your life happens account and then your I quit account. Well, your life happens account, that's that liquid account for those, 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 those emergencies. Well, your I quit account, that's where you put your money in to sit there and that, that's what will tell you when you can quit working. And, you know, in the book, I kind of joke around that, you know, I, I had this one gentleman that they, is a husband and wife and they, 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 they were, they were comfortable. They had, they, they did all the right things. And, you know, the, the guy, he continued to work. And, you know, we sit there and, 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 and talk about the finance and stuff. And I always, you know, question them is that why are you still working? Why are you still working? And, you know, one day he came into the office by himself without his wife. And he basically told me, he said, hey, Steve, you know, I go to, you know, I go to, you know, I'm, I'm, I think he was 75 years old. I'm going to work because I want to keep, keep, keep my marriage intact, you know. And, and that was his choice. You know, he didn't, he didn't go to work because he had to. I mean, he went to work because he wanted to. And like I said, I have no problem if you want to sit there and work when you're 75 or 80 years old, but I just want you to do it because you, you made that choice. It's not because you have to, because you made poor financial decisions throughout your lifetime. Is that hey, that, that that's your choice, and so that's why I, I, I call it an I quit account. That's when you need that, that when you have X amount of money in your account. That's when you can quit. You talk about investing for your future. Now you talked about a uh, 10%. Uh, return on your money, even if you have a small amount. How do you allocate your money based on the amount of risk and uh, the different choices so that you do get a good return over the long run? You know, that's a great question, and, and that's why, you know, always I recommend that you sit down with a certified financial planner to figure out exactly what type of risk am I willing to take? You know, what type of, you know, what, what are my goals? You know, what are my long-term goals? And once you can sit there and, and, and get all that information, and then, then someone can give you some really good, you know, good advice. But it's, what, what's really hard is that people want, you know, there's no such thing as one size fits all. It'd be like you going into a, to a department store and say, I, I want you to sit there and sell me some blue jeans. Or, or sell me some pants. Well, what kind of pants do you want? I mean, do you want you know, dress pants? Do you want blue jeans? You know, what size you wear? Do you want them to be short? So, like I said, it's not a one size fits all when it comes for your long term planning. Each person is different, and you know, I just that's one of my pet peeves is that you know you just can't sit there and just throw out allocations to people because everybody's situations differently. You know, each person's going to need X amount of money for their income, which means that they're going to need have X amount. In their retirement, so it's like one of those things. It's, it's, it's one size doesn't fit fit all. But in my book, I talk about the the the, the duck. Is that if you come in, if you if you sit there and say you're a duck, don't don't invest like you're an eagle. And if you come in, you know, if you sit there and say you're an eagle, just don't invest like you're a duck. And 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 that's where people have their problems. That they think there's something that they're not. And once they sit there and and put a plan together, when it doesn't fit who they are, you know, they they're just set up for failure. You talk a lot about diversification of both stocks and bonds. Is it better to do individual stocks and bonds, or is it better to do managed accounts, mutual funds, that kind of thing? How should one uh, get diversification if you don't have a lot of money? You know, it's, it's it's one of those things that it's it's not a it's not a best or a better because it's almost like you're trying to predict the future, and just nobody can do that. I mean, nobody can sit there and say, "Gosh, if you put your money this way." 
this is what's going to give you give you results. And, and like I said, each person is going to, you know, there's going to be certain determinations that are, you know, that are either going to sit there and help you either be more successful or less successful. But like I said, those things are, you know, that's when you need to sit down with somebody that can really, you know, explain the the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly. Because like I said, it's not one of those one size fits all. If you put your money this way, you know, this is this is how it's going to help you. And so, you know, I just you know I just believe that there's risk out there, and you just need to manage the risks that are out there, and you do it you know by sitting down with a professional that can explain the good and the bad and the ugly. In addition to stocks and bonds, you talk about alternatives. What are some of the alternative investments people should put money into that you think are good right now? I mean, that's enough. It's like when you sit there and say good. I mean, there's. I believe that there's things that are good at certain times and things that are bad at certain times. And that if you have all your money in the stuff that's doing good, if everything is doing good, I think that there's an issue. And you might say, well, Steve, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, I just believe that things just don't go. You know, things go up and things are going down. I rather have stuff that that maybe I could earn some interest on when the market's not doing good. And there's gonna be times where the market's not doing good that I need to be earning some interest somewhere else. So I think that. It doesn't eliminate your risk, but I think it can help you manage some of those risks. You, you still talk about the emotion uh, of, of investing. We talked about this a little bit before, but when you have something that's very popular, like treasury bonds today, for example, are you saying you should stay away from it because your emotion is to kind of follow the crowd? You should do the exact opposite of what the crowd's doing? I'm just saying that everything out there, there is no such thing as safe. I mean, there's, when we say safe, that, that I mean, it, I could sit there and step out of bed to go brush my teeth. I could sit there and fall down and break my neck and die. And so the relatively, when people sit there and think what's safe is, there is, I don't believe that there's anything out there that is safe. I, I believe that there's risk in anything you do, in, in, in any investment. And that, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but, you know, the greater the risk, you're supposed to have, you know, greater potential reward. But that's a potential that's not guaranteed. I mean, you can get into trouble. But just realize that there's nothing out there that's going to sit there and protect you 100%. I mean, everything that you do is risk. So if you're going to invest, it doesn't matter what type of investment vehicle. Just understand that there's that there's risk. I mean, if it could be it could be anything. Like I said, there's just risk just getting out of bed. So if you're going to sit there and put your money somewhere, trust me, there's risk involved there. You just need to be able to understand it. And if you can understand it, and then you know someone explains it to you, and you figure out what's the good and the bad, then you can make an informed decision. Then that's on you. But just to sit there and say, hey, this is good or this is bad. And all that. That's just not good advice right there. At the end of your book, you have a bunch of uh, useful uh, websites. Just pick one or two that you think would be particularly helpful to uh, most of your listeners. Oh, gosh. I mean, when I sit there, you know, when I, was, when I was trying to sit there and figure out, you know, what, you know, how do you add value? I mean, what, what else can you sit there and share with, um, you know, with people out there? I mean, I just, I, you know, I have a bunch of great websites that I, that I put in the back. Um, Gosh, if I if I sit there and had some some good ones, and if you want to sit, it matters what you want to learn about. Like, uh, for example, you want to sit there and learn about the college stuff. I mean, savingforcollege.com is a good website. Uh, a big one that I really that that's out there about is that you always hear about the identity theft. Uh, I have a, a website is www.cilio.com. You know, John Cilio, he's a leading uh, identity theft expert. Just really can give you some good tools to sit there and pr- protect yourself. Um, if you, one of my favorites is powerpay.org. I mean, that's just a great website to sit there and put a customized get-out-of-debt plan. I mean, you can actually use that website to uh, put a budget together. Um, 
Gosh, another one, you know, one of my favorite, the, the www.cfp.net. I mean, you can go on cfp.net, and you can find yourself a certified financial planner in your area that can sit there and give you some, uh, give you, you know, put a plan together for you. Very good. We have about a minute to go, so just want to kind of sum up, if you took the advice in your book, Dallas and Common Sense, what a difference it would make in people's life compared to not doing things that you talk about in your book. I mean, if you want to sit there and work for the rest of your life and be a greeter at the, the local department store and eat cat food at night, I mean, don't take my advice. I mean, that, you know, that's, that is your choice. But if you sit there and say, hey, I want things to be different in my life. I want to sit there and take charge of my money instead of my money taking charge of me. I want to read something that's going to instruct me, that's going to motivate me, but it's not so dry that I'm going to fall asleep on page three. Then I believe that Dollars and Uncommon Sense would be a great book. Indeed. Very good. And again, I tell people the website uh, where they can find it and, and they can find you. It's www.dollarsanduncommonsense.com. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Steve Repick. Uh, he is the author of the book, Dollars and Uncommon Sense. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Steve. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See